we've got like a Kit Kat and a bunch of Hershey bars and some Reese's cups on the table and uh, feeling pretty bad about myself this week. <laughs> How about you guys? Um, All for clean living, man. I am Brant Wilkerson New. This is the podcast to be named later. I'm with Ethan Joyce of the Winston Salem Journal, Connor O'Neill, and a special guest, uh, assistant sports editor, person in charge, uh, Adam Houston. It me. Um, we're eating candy and talking about sports after a pretty historic night. Uh, it's a big night. Great game last night. Watched uh, the Blazers and Jazz in overtime. And supposedly there was some kind of baseball game, but um, I don't really know anything about that. Did you know that Tony Soprano killed Christopher Baltasante after a car wreck? <laughs> I watched that. So it's on my phone. No baseball fans in here, no? I watched it. I was happy to watch Game 6 and Game 7. I feel like I would miss out on the fun stuff, though, as I struggled to get internet in my apartment. Like, okay, I had Game 7 on in the background. As good as Game 6 was, Game 7 was as boring. It was, like, leadoff double by the Astros. And then you think that the Dodgers, they score two runs, leadoff double by the Dodgers in the bottom of the first, and then it just fizzles out into nothing. Nothing good happens after that. And, you know, as we all know, it comes down to left on base and runners in scoring position. I mean, you got to get guys home. That's what it comes down to the most. Yeah, got to score. Um, yeah, I had, I had allotted myself the nine innings of diamond bags that I will watch every year, and by the time I got over there, it was 5 nothing. so I just went back to NBA. Because um, <laughs> I'm a degenerate that doesn't appreciate real basketball around here, I guess. Um, meanwhile, uh, we've got lots of other stuff going on. Uh, Wake Forest has uh, Greg Dorch go down for the season with um, what it's kind of a scary injury. Um, what, what did you see on Saturday? Uh, I saw... At least in some version of versions of the statistics, the best Wake Forest receiving performance of the school history. And then I saw 24 hours after the game ended that that player would no longer play for the team this year. Um, the, con- the, the seemingly consensus is that it happened on Greg's second touchdown of four, where he catches a little swing pass out of the backfield and extends full-body Superman-esque toward the pylon and hits the pylon with the ball and then kind of skids while the pylon is on top of, under his chest. And he stayed down in the end zone for a minute or two, gingerly walked off, um... The feeling is that that's where the injury occurred. I mean, I, I don't know. He, he takes so many shots during the game because he's such a little guy. And it's been kind of remarkable all season that he hasn't been hurt. Yeah. it's um, And then he went out and caught two more touchdowns for his troubles. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with and Possibly. And, a, I mean, nobody. we don't know for sure what the injury is, but we've seen – People play with a ruptured spleen or yeah. God knows what else. So I think I think it's safe to say that was the greatest uh, receiving performance in the course history. And had a third touchdown uh, called, you know, negated because they said he fumbled through the end zone. Uh, that well, it was a thirty-yard screen pass that went for a touchdown that ended up being a twenty-nine-yard and turnover. Uh, I actually, I didn't even know what they were reviewing. I thought they were reviewing whether he stepped out of bounds 
the start of the play had one of those freaky plays where two defenders hit you, but your knee never goes down or elbows never hit, and so he just kept going and went down the sidelines and scored. That, I thought, was his most impressive play of the game. It's eerily similar to Michael Dyer's run. Yeah. The 2011 championship game, of which I have on DVD at home. What what team was that for? <laughs> it was for Auburn. Oh. It was for Auburn. <laughs> War Eagle. Exactly. Total Homer, right here. Gonna, you know, I can I can pretty much relate anything back to it, by the way. <laughs> I can find that it's like it's like the six degrees of the SEC. I can find a way. There's always a connection there. So, is there any way to relate uh, Auburn to Dave Clawson going out and putting an absolute beat down on the team that stole his playbook last year? Give me a minute. <laughs> I, I don't. Although, okay, going back to that, I remember leading up to the game, they all said, and I'm pretty sure we could all agree on it. That they were like, "Oh, you know, that was last year. We're not doing it. That one was personal." Mm-hmm. That one was, and my, I watched the whole game. One of my favorite plays was the Walford rollout to a wide open Chucky Wayne, <laughs> and all I could think of, I was like, "Well, Clawson's extended double barrels to everybody over there." <laughs> That's it. I was kind of like we we were in, not to brag or anything, but we were in Notre Dame, NC State, and we were following not in the press brag. box just oh. as oh. just as the game was starting up there, and. I know after Wake got the onside kickback, we were really hoping that Wake would run another play because they were just a few yards away from the school record. So kind of disappointing, but Clawson was glowing afterward, yeah? Oh, he was full of zing. I mean, he got to the podium and kind of looked out over us and said, oof, that was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's about as close close to boastful as you can probably get from Dave. Yeah, and I mean... my my biggest takeaway from the post game was God bless Scotty Washington because we had Clawson swear to us uh, Tuesday last week we had John Wolford swear to us we had uh, Jake Benzinger swear to us we had uh, I think there was another player in there Wednesday that we talked to all all of them made it seem like they had moved on from last year last year was done they put that behind them in the military bowl win they were finished talking about wakey leaks. Yada yada yada. Get down there in the post game. Ask Scotty Washington. Scotty, this one mean a little more to you, given the opponent and and the extra storylines here. Absolutely, he said. <laughs> hey, truth in okay. football. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, uh, it's it's. I'm sure some players have moved past it, but it's not a consensus in that locker room. I don't even know if it's a majority opinion. Well, you went out trying to stir up trouble last week, uh, as the crooked fake news likes to do, and uh, you tried <laughs> to speak with uh, Tommy Elrod. Yeah, did speak with uh, the Benedict Arnold of Wake Forest football for about 20 or 30 seconds. Um, he, was, he was receptive. He, he told me he just couldn't talk about it. Um, I thought that was a key word. In his description, he couldn't, not that he wouldn't, or not that he didn't want to, it's that he couldn't. Um, he thanked me for, for coming to ask. He understood that it was a question I had to ask. Um, you know, and, and until he talks or until somebody else tattles on themselves, which I don't know what motivation there would be for that to happen, uh, it's just going to continue to be open wounds 
unanswered questions and weird. Just weird. Yeah. Just weird. <laughs> yeah. Like as much as uh, anybody wanted to say last week that Wakey Leaks is over and they've put it to bed, I like I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm not sure if that will ever happen because no. and is there a more strange college football story aside from maybe like Manti Teo's girlfriend or where does this, I mean in, in the all timers Yeah. A former assistant and your current radio guy selling out your playbook just to his buddies for we don't know why. We still have no idea why. We yep. don't know, but some of it, like Mike Price's firing from Alabama, was pretty uh, was pretty odd. I mean, things happen. <laughs> you get a little cash and you go out celebrating. <laughs> things happen. So we've all been there. I don't know if we have. No. Maybe you guys. <laughs> no, I have. <laughs> I yeah. So get that bonus money. As whatever, I, who knows what the the reason for Elrod not being able to speak? If there's an agreement that he signed, or who knows? We're all that's all just speculative. But I think the faster that he were to address this, the faster this would all go away. Because every year this is going to come up. Every time Wake and Louisville play, is I mean I can't see it going away. Yeah, they play Louisville every year. It's going to be relevant every year that they play Louisville. Um, I mean, even if he talks, I think it'll still be relevant. Yeah. Like I mean, if he speaks, then it'll be it will be closed, and there will be closure to it. But it's always going to be there mm-hmm. every time they play for the next so many years or however long. But it will always it'll be mentioned in every story leading up to it. It'll be mentioned after we're, after the fact too. I mean, it'll it'll hang there like a cloud, just for a long time. Yeah, it's not going away. And I don't know if surprising is the word, but I think I was. I guess surprise is the word, but, um, you know, like the, just the fact that no one did play up the game from Wake, and I get it, like you don't want to say, oh, you know, we really just want to, you know, beat the crap out of these guys and whatever, but like that was just, the, the whole situation is just so weird, so it's like, it's not like you're talking about a team that just beat you last year, and it's like, oh, is there bad blood because they beat you, it's like, this was a lot different, so I guess it just surprised me that it wasn't, I don't know. But they didn't kind of talk about it more so in the beginning. I think they just wanted to avoid that that dreaded uh, bulletin board material. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to give bulletin board material to the best player in college football, not that he ever needs it. <laughs> That's fair. And, well, but, That's allegedly, fair. but allegedly Clawson did, or oh, yeah, you know, according did. to rumor that... that you know, that's what he wasn't any good. That's what Jackson said. Is like He heard it was the Wake Forest coach who said he wasn't an NFL-caliber player. And then like there's another layer to that, too, of this... Back and forth. That's the other thing about this series. These programs would have bad blood if it wasn't for Wakey Leaks. Because yeah. you've got the he said, no, I didn't say, yes, you did, between Clawson and Lamar Jackson. Then you have Matt Colburn, who was basically committed for to Louisville for eight months and called by an assistant two hours before sign or two days before signing day and told, uh, you can't come here next year. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a, it contains multitudes, and it's only going to become more entertaining over the next several years. Yep. And I think that's what was more surprising for me is just that you know it's already bad. You know, I I don't think saying one more thing is going to be is going to make a difference in the game. Like they already hate each other. Like there's already so much there. You know, so I think I'd have liked to have seen it played up a little bit more. Who knew ACC realignment would give us a rivalry between Wake Forest and the of all the schools? Um, yeah, moving on from there, um, you know, Wake, Wake got their big victory. App State, meanwhile, went up to UMass and suffered their big loss. 
Oh, was it really that big? No. Yeah, I mean... So Who it, cares? It, it, <laughs> like, <laughs> it really... I mean, you lose to a... Your tenant... You, you've lost two games already. You're not going to be the team... You're not going to be the group of five team. That's already settled. You're still perfect in the Sun Belt. So what does it matter? I mean, aside from the embarrassment of going up and losing to UMass. Well, you know, it's, I think someone... Someone I was around the last couple of days called it... You know, I, I kind of thought that was going to be a trap game, which is, you know, that's the great thing to say when a team loses. And it's like, I thought that was a trap game, but... I don't know, man. You know, they had three weeks off before playing Georgia Southern. They had, like, literally been in every game that they played, besides, like, one or two. I can't remember. But, um, you know, if you're at, why do you play anybody that's borderline healthy that's important to to the Sunbelt Conference? Why do you play anyone in that game? You know, I wouldn't have played Jalen or Devin or any any of those guys. So, I don't know. It just wasn't really an important game. Yeah, it, it struck me as, hey, you know, we don't want to lose that game, but what does it matter at the end of the day? It has no effect on their season or whether they're going to end up <clears throat> in the New Orleans Bowl or whether they end up back in the Camellia Bowl for the third straight year, <laughs> which would be... Um, I enjoyed my trip to Montgomery, but I'm sure it's probably wearing on people there for the third if they go a third straight time. I'm pretty sure Strelo enjoyed his, too. Yeah, we're two for two on App State beat writers enjoying the Camellia Bowl, so... Maybe you'll get your shot. I'll be uh, I'll be sure to have a terrible time there. <laughs> it's a it's a lovely town with a lot of history. So and huh. only forty five minutes from Auburn. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad because they tore down the War Eagle Supper Club, total dive bar. Uh, is this turning into a like an associate Auburn podcast? <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> podcast damn eagle. <laughs> <laughs> What uh what what's been the feeling uh, for App this week? You've you've been around them and uh, doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of doom and gloom. No, there's definitely not. I think um, really it's more of these next two games because they're so they're so tight with each other. You know, you have a, a Saturday game and then you play Thursday against Georgia Southern. Um, and Satterfield was kind of saying that that's just you know they're trying to keep it broken up in their head so. They have these two games, and then they have their last two games and to end the season. Um, I don't really think they're worried at all. I don't. I think I think they definitely like to see people get healthy. They'd like to see those fumbles go away, and you know the holding penalties and calls that take back touchdowns. But um, for the most part, they seem pretty pretty solid going into this. Yeah, so um, it's kind of unfortunate though. I was looking forward to maybe just going to that Georgia Southern game. Just because I've never actually experienced game day as a, from a fan perspective at App State. Has that lost some of its luster? Uh, are people fired up about that? Or I don't think. I just think it's more the Thursday night than anything. Like I don't. You know, Georgia Southern's bad this year, and that definitely hurts. But it's still a it's still a big rivalry for App. I just think it being Thursday night is just awkward. Yeah, it's um, it's been that Thursday night slot now for the past about four years. Yeah, it really takes away a lot. It was it was a really cool atmosphere the first time they did it up there, but um, I can't. I mean, it's so far that half your fan base is driving. Yeah, two and three hours, so I can't imagine a lot of people wanting, and especially with a team as bad as Georgia Southern now, making it a priority to take off early on Thursday and then sacrificing maybe your whole Friday or your Friday morning to do it. So, yeah. it's a tough one. Thursday games are always tough, especially when rivalries, like you said, travel and everything else. And it also, it's the Thursday night atmosphere is fun and electric, but then like everybody realizes they do have to go to work the next day. Yeah, and I mean, and I remember Thursday night games as a student. You know, guess who didn't have them? 
my school. You know why? <laughs> because they know. Yeah. They know it's not fun. Because everybody doesn't go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I went to a, I went to a, uh, it was a Miami at Carolina Thursday night game. Uh, it was the Zero Dark Thirty blackout game. And that stadium was half full, maybe? Yeah. And there were no students on campus because it was fall break. Apparently, there's some rule that Carolina football games can't be on Thursday nights. Because I think like they're trying to make faculty take vacation time to get off of campus early to allow the tailgating in and everything else. Yeah, that, that game that campus can be nightmare on game day anyway. So having it on a Thursday with people there would be just. And then we had problems for um, State Louisville a few weeks back on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. You've got all of the traffic. It was a seven thirty. It was an eight o'clock kickoff. It was an eight o'clock kickoff. But Raleigh, uh, I-40 is just a disaster oh, for yeah. four or five hours. Yep. So. Right. Like, what time did you have to get over to Raleigh for that one to avoid getting in anything like that? I left my house about uh, 4.30 that day, and it took me, I think, a good hour, hour and a half to get there, which is normally about a 30-minute drive. So. Oh, jeez. Um, I can only imagine. I probably, I probably would have, like, gone to Raleigh at, like, noon and then just hung out for a while and then made my way over to Carter Finley because... There's nothing worse than damn game day traffic, or traffic in general. Yes, speaking it's, of game day, the Notre Dame experience. You are going to get your taste this week. Yeah, tell me. What, uh, <laughs> what should I expect? So, I, I don't know. I've never really been... I watched Notre Dame on NBC as a kid, because, you know, you only had five channels of college football back then, and I'd be at my grandma's house on Saturday, and that was the only channel she had. So, um, I don't know. I've never really considered myself a Notre Dame guy or anything like that, but... For whatever reason, as you kind of get yourself swept up in that whole thing, it's just, it's like the the whole magic of college football hits you, as weird as that sounds. And you get there, and you walk around the campus, and you check out the Golden Dome, and you get out of the grotto, and it felt like they go out of their way to make game day feel like this huge experience, and from like, even like the smallest things, like their credentials, or like they, they have these massive credentials with your picture on them, and it's made up for each game, so it's like... Oh, that's that's going to be a good one for the credential wall. I mean, every writer's got a credential wall or a box or something. So, and they have this this massive fan festival inside their basketball arena, and um, it just feels like they treat it. They know what they have, and they treat it as such, rather than trying to downplay things. So, um, yeah, their their press box is as nice as any I've been in. The giant screen, walking on the field, walking through the tunnel, you can kind of get a peek into the locker room and see the play like a champion sign. So. Anybody, any Wake fans that are going up there, I would recommend spend your whole day if you can. And you can check out the cathedral, and um, there's mass for thirty. There's mass thirty minutes after the game ends, which I, I thought was a pretty cool touch. Um, I'm not allowed to go to those things because I might catch on fire. But um, <laughs> uh, places Brent's been banned from. I am not banned from the cathedral. <laughs> I just chose not to change that. Top of the list, the afterlife. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's possible, but yeah, I mean, it was—it's incredible. What, what have you got? Anything on your list, or how how was your travel situation for that day coming along? It's gonna be a long day. It's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be about a four a.m. wake up call for a five twenty-five flight out of Greensboro that morning. But I'll get into Chicago at. What, 6.30 their time for a 2.30 kickoff, so... 3.30 uh, kickoff, right? They yeah, are not an two, hour back. 
They're not. They are not. This is something we. So I have. fly into Chicago and get the hour, and then I lose the hour when I go over to South Bend. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Hole. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. That's that, interesting. That little that little bit of change right there would make me want to go a whole day earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana has some weird stuff going on with daylight savings time and Mike Pence and various other things. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, forget if that, you get I forget that Mike Pence stole Peyton Manning's thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's very rude of him oh. to do that. <laughs> Um, I also yeah. think it was very rude of Peter King to write a whole column about it. Did that uh, happen? Yeah, he wrote that he wrote that Mike Pence like ruined Peyton Manning's day. You ruined my day. <laughs> this is my day. If Where's Pete, the good surprise on him? If Peter King can't step up for Peyton Manning, then who else will? Papa John. Papa John. <laughs> Papa John now uh, officially banned from my house. It's unfortunate too because. We were doing a Papa John's visit a week, probably, on Sundays. All right, this actually became a topic of discussion yesterday in the newsroom. Like, when you're thinking of, like, those, that level of pizza, like, the pizza chains, like, if we were doing power rankings of those, like, what would y'all's, like, rankings look like? So, yeah, we're going to preface this by saying, obviously, pizza chains are not the top end-all be-all of pizza. No. Everyone knows that. No one, oh, no one argues that Papa John's is good pizza. It is pizza that comes to you very quickly. Uh, perhaps you're hungover. Perhaps you have other reasons for not being able to take yourself to a it, proper restaurant. It fills your belly yeah. full of things that resemble food. And it, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's fine. It's like most things you eat. Most right. things you eat are fine. Domino's tops the list. I got Domino's me. number one, mostly because of the deep dish. See, I just I like the cinna twists. Now they're not they're not cinna rolls anymore or whatever they were. They're cinna twists, cinna sticks. Now they're twists. Is the deep dish and the pan pizza the same thing from them? I think so. I think they might have made some slight changes. Yeah, because I'm all I'm all about Domino's then. It's yeah, wow. See, actually, like I go, see, I go like Papa John's one, then two had then two is Domino's. Although it's been forever since I've actually been to a Domino's. And, like, dead last is Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is trash. Like, that is garbage. And I refuse to eat that. Unless I, it's in a press box. I can't remember the last time I had Pizza Hut. Yeah, I can't, I can't either. Probably, like, a 10-year-old birthday party back in 1990. They had some whatever. Pizza I mean, Hut pasta <laughs> in the press box A&T, which wasn't bad last year at a game. When I was in Charlotte for my sister's wedding last month, we visited a bar that used to be a Pizza Hut in Charlotte. <laughs> That it is cool to see former Pizza Huts now masquerading as other things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I pulled up to it. And I was riding with a couple of folks who were going to the wedding from out of town, and I was like, "And now we're going to a bar. This used to be a Pizza Hut, by the way." <laughs> yeah. And the guy gets out. He's like, "And now that you pointed out, I totally see it." Yeah. Yep. They, they should bring back the uh, their own version of the bucket stickers there, <laughs> like the <See>? drinkets. <laughs> One of the underrated pizza places is Little Caesars, if only for the price. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Little Caesars is my number two. You're in and out in two minutes. You just you roll in, get your pizza. They got wings ready too. Unless you go to the Burlington Little Caesars, but I guess we won't. I won't speak ill of Burlington. They were good to me, <laughs> but I had bad experiences there. Like the last three times I tried to go there. Well, Burlington Little Caesars, if you're listening, step it up. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta get in there and break down the film and see where your inefficiencies are. If if your only appeal is that you can get people in and out quickly, then don't make them spend fifteen to twenty minutes waiting for you to make a pizza. 
So it was it wasn't either hot nor ready. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> You're you, have, yeah. you have two business design goals. Yeah. You failed both of them. <laughs> yeah, and actually, Papa John's the wings are sneaky good. Yeah, they've got some. Uh, they're like it's like the Aaron Rodgers. It's like the Aaron Rodgers sneaky fast of wings. <laughs> is what it is. Like, or wait, who who's the sneaky the sneakiest fastest player right now? They've got to be white, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I had absolutely. I had Notre Dame radio people telling me it might be John Walford yesterday, or maybe that was, I did. I did two. <laughs> I did two radio spots yesterday. One was for Syracuse, and one was for Notre Dame people. I maybe it wasn't the Notre Dame people. Maybe it was a Syracuse guy. He's just gritty. Who, he's, a, he's a gamer. Yeah, he's trying to tell me that John Walford leads the wake in rushing, which he does, and is he a better runner than we realize? And it's like. Well, not to give you the to the letter stereotype, but yes, John Walford is a good athlete. <laughs> yeah. People might not think he's fast for whatever reason, but he is fast. This might shock you, but a What's college football player like? is good. Well, after playing behind that uh, offensive line for a few years, you got to learn to be fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, they've done a, an excellent job of protecting him this year. And, oh, uh, it's kind of amazing to see this whole thing. Did the entire world have Wake Forest playbook for the past two years? Because, I mean, this leap that they have made is kind of... I mean, they've got a lot of the same parts, yeah. They've also got Greg Dorch, who's great. They've got Arkeem Bird, who adds a whole other dimension. But mm-hmm. can is that a, a reasonable jump to make? Yeah, I think it's, a f- it's, it's one of many factors in the great melting pot of why Wake Forest has a capable offense all of a sudden. Um, you've got the offensive line. You've got... A guy like Greg Dorch comes along and gives you a viable option in the slot. Uh, you've got a six-five receiver in Scotty Washington who is slowly learning how to use all six foot five inches of his body. Uh, you've got a senior quarterback who's thrown fifteen touchdowns and two interceptions after entering the season with more interceptions than touchdowns in his career. Uh, he was, I mean, he was sacked one hundred and three times in his first three seasons. And he's been sacked twelve times in seven games this season. Holy cow! That's like a that's like a David Carr type rate right there. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> said the words David Carr because he was sacked like two hundred and forty nine times in his first five seasons. Yeah, yeah. poor guy with his white gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jake Delhomme gets hurt. And we get that. Oh, well, how man. bad is it for David Carr to? go through what he went through, and then he's got to watch his little brother go through the same exact thing ten years later. Well, at least his GM didn't trade his best receiver. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Especially when management's trying to sabotage their former NFL MVP quarterback. But it's another topic for another day. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Today is the day? Now! Yeah. No, not now. Well, we're not going to talk about how the Panthers haven't drafted a capable offensive lineman or signed a capable offensive lineman or given Cam a receiver to work with or, I don't know, there's a whole laundry list of things they have not done to help Cam Newton win. Michael, but they built, Michael a, but they built a statue outside the stadium. <laughs> Thank Jesus. Michael Ower was good for a year until he became a shell. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, well, they'll probably draft some cornerbacks this year, though, so that's good. Ooh. More cornerbacks. Anyway, moving on uh, to the game that I will be attending. Actually, I have one more question. Is Taylor Lamb sneaky fast? God. You know, I think it's so funny. I think people call him uh, Tweety when he runs. Tweety Taylor. Man, yeah. I love that. I love that. 
Sneaky uh, fast. He is <laughs> a flash from the past. <laughs> Taylor Lamb uh, is fast, and I, I jokingly said he was deceptively fast on Twitter, and I still get crap for it. He's fast. He's legitimately fast. But he will also run into you. He, he's not a guy that's always going to run out of bounds. So, um, And now he's the app's all-time touchdown leader, which probably is tough to reconcile for some people that think he's awful. Yeah. For whatever reason. It's tough for me to reconcile because Armani Edwards was so freaking good. He ran for uh, quite a few. So. Yeah. Well, like th- Armani still has, I mean, it's the passing TDs that Taylor broke, so Armani's still got quite a bit going. He's still, I, I, Armani's going to be so hard to, to reach for anybody for the longest time. I guess he also had playoff games, didn't he? Yes, he yeah. had playoff games to work with as well. So, like quite a few. <laughs> like there was the Richmond game. It was like the national semifinal in '06, I think, mm-hmm. where he ran for like 300 plus yards. Huh, just casual. It's probably a casual game for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put up like 70 occasionally. So, speaking of teams that will not put up 70, uh, NC State and Clemson meet this weekend. In it is a. Uh, that was, that was against Dave Clawson's Richmond. <laughs> oh, fun. It all comes back. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whoops. It was a 07, uh, 11 and 3 Richmond team. Dave Clawson's last year there. He went to Tennessee to be Phil Fulmer's offensive coordinator for a year before the whole staff got fired and then went to Bowling Green, which preceded Wake. Oh, well, before we get into state, let's get into some speculation, which is our favorite. <laughs> I think Tennessee takes a run at, at uh, Clawson here. It would make sense on paper, and I would not rule anything out because that's how you end up looking like an idiot. But I, I don't think he wants to go back to Tennessee. To hear him talk about the type of players that Wake recruits and the type of character players that you need for Wake's academic requirements. It seems like he's pretty happy here. Uh, it was interesting that we looked up the coach's salary database and saw that he was 12th of the 12 ACC coaches whose salaries were on that list. And one of them was Mark Richt. And I can't imagine Dave Clawson makes more than Mark Richt at Miami. Yeah, that's so Clawson is at best 13th above... Dino Babers, and at worst, he's last in the ACC in salary. So That's something to keep in mind. Um, it would make sense to get him a little bit of a salary bump, especially after this year. Yeah. Um, and, who's, his, who's his agent? Uh, is it Jimmy Sexton? Everybody's agent is Jimmy Sexton. <laughs> <laughs> Raises for everybody. <laughs> Raises for everybody. And Saban's going to go to 15 now. <laughs> you fire my guy, I got you somebody ready. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, it, it would make too much sense for Tennessee to go after Dave Clawson. He's good friends with Butch Jones. He's paying attention to the fact that the Tennessee media and Tennessee fan base is just completely turned on him. Um, he knows from his one year there that that you can just live in a fishbowl. And here in Winston-Salem, I'm not saying he doesn't get recognized, but it's certainly... Not gonna be. Oh, no, it's on steroids. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, it's, I mean, you go nine and three every year, and you come into the season on the hot seat. So, 
Yeah. I have fired Auburn's coach like the last three seasons. <laughs> yeah. Like like the good Auburn fan that you are, you fired Gus every year. Yeah. He didn't win a national championship. That's Sorry, dude. Cause for getting fired. Get out. <laughs> I will give you credit though. You did call that Auburn LSU game uh, pretty pretty well. Uh, man. <laughs> you know. Okay. So, Brett and I are at the state fair. And weird. I'm following the Weird game. to begin with. We lost a lot of money shooting basketball on those crooked rims that day. Yeah, they definitely were not soft rims. They were they were they were nowhere near as forgiving as the D Dome or Cameron Indoor. Our friend Brett Strilo really needs to get on this and, and determine exactly what's going on at the fair because it's it's not fair. It's gotta be it's it gotta be actually like zero to one percent. How do you guys not realize that going in though? Oh, we knew. Yeah, and they're not—they're not regulation size either. I put there was actually the one that had it up there. It's like non-regulation size rims, and I actually respected that booth more than the other booth because I'm like, you want to know what? You know what you're about, <laughs> and you're about getting this five bucks. That's fine. I Man, respect your game. You happen to lose a giant Pokemon that's like eight feet tall. So be it. You're getting that five bucks from so many people. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So what? We're leaving the fair. Auburn's uh, up what twenty? Auburn's up twenty to nothing, and was it you or was it uh, Lauren? I think, said something about the, well, that's good. Yeah, and I think it, Lauren said, "Oh, that's good." And all I said was like, "Let me tell you how this ends." And it ended. Spoiler alert: with me throwing my hat around their living room. <laughs> <laughs> so. And then getting on the phone outside, and I was like, with my other crazy Auburn friends. It was like, Gus needs to be fired, like, right now. Like, leave him in Baton Rouge, please. <laughs> so, that's SEC football, and Dave Clawson's got a good thing going here. So, there's no need for that. Yeah. So, Clawson to Florida? Clawson to Florida. <laughs> Clawson, um, I mean, is there, you know, the dude was the right man for his time and place in the Big Lebowski. I feel like Dave Clawson might be the right, the right man for his time and place. More so than about anybody in the ACC, in fact. You also got to keep in mind his daughter just started her freshman year at Davidson. She's an hour down the road, hour and a half. He went and saw her on Wake's Bye weekend. Uh, it's a very comfortable situation, and he got a pay raise and a bump, and I can't remember if there's an extension that came along with it for the military bowl win, but you know that stuff kicks in automatically, and at five and three with games left against Syracuse and Duke and at least your home against NC State, you're looking at another bump for a bowl berth. Yeah, you don't need somebody setting flaming bags of poop outside of your house for going 9-3 and three at Tennessee. Or, so. Good Lord, I mean, alright. George, you know, Mark Rick got fired from Georgia after averaging 9.8 wins a year. Les Miles was guaranteed 10 wins a year and he gets fired from LSU like twice, I think. Bo Pelini. Ah. Forgot about Bo Pelini yeah. in Nebraska. Well, everybody thinks that, like, it, it's okay to not be Nick Saban in Alabama. See, yeah. It's even, okay. But even Saban's been on the hot seat, like, within the last four years. Oh, yeah, I remember when the dynasty was dead. Uh, yeah. It was, like, in 2013. <laughs> the dynasty, and then they've won two, two titles since then? <laughs> one. Oh, well, only, yeah, he, only he might be out. Yeah, because they lost to Ohio State in the play in the inaugural playoff. Yeah, that was bad. That was really and then bad. They lost to Clemson last year. Yeah, so that's two out of three years they haven't won a national championship. I mean, he's as good as fired. Yeah, if they, it's time for him to go to the lake and watch the ducks crack the yard. If they screw it up <laughs> this year, then we got to start talking about Kirby Smart going back to Alabama <laughs> or Lane. Lane. Yeah. 
Lane is killing it Lane, in Florida. Lane there. Kiffin. Okay, so Clawson goes to Tennessee or Florida, then Lane Kiffin comes to Wake Forest. Whoa. I, think, I like where this is going, guys. Joey Freshwater takes on a wreck billiards. <laughs> Joey Wreckwater? <laughs> Joey Wreckwater. <laughs> so, I don't think any of that's going to happen. <laughs> Hopefully. I think we've prattled on for a good bit here. We got some basketball coming up. We'll get more into that uh, as it actually happens. We got an exhibition this week with Carolina, UNCW, ECU, I will and actually be signing off now. You're about signing the off. Yeah, I've had enough of the crazy football talk. I actually have to go do some work. Ah, it's overrated. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll leave it with a uh, lunch review, stealing from our good friends at the Beat and the Beard podcast. Anybody got anything worth eating, drinking? I went down to Atlanta a week and a half ago now and found a little pizza place. Speaking of pizza places, found a little pizza place that was uh, Maggio's or Maggio's. I guess it doesn't speak well that I can't remember exactly what their name was. It was good pizza. It was, uh, you know, just it wasn't anything earth shattering. I didn't call home about it, but. Better than Papa John's, though. It was much better than Papa John's. The feather in their cap was that I was able to watch the Louisville-Florida State second half and was also able to watch the Pittsburgh-Duke second half. It's unfortunate for you. I watched a little bit of that game. Atlanta's Atlanta's ACC country, baby. (laughs) When Georgia has a bye. Um, I mean, I ate at Comeback Shack on... What was it? Tuesday? Yeah. I mean... That's nothing new, but if you haven't gone, I would go. Yeah, that's Comeback Shack is a staple. I love it. It was like it popped up while I was a student up there, and they have, the number five has a fried green tomato on it. Sign me up for that every time. What am I gonna go with? Um, I'm gonna go to Lighthouse. I think uh, I've probably mentioned this before, but it is my go-to spot when I stop by Winston Salem. It's like your little hole-in-the-wall diner with wood paneling on the walls. Uh, same thing every time almost a spaghetti dinner for like five ninety five, bread and a salad excellent sit, sit there with the, all the old timers in the afternoon got an excellent breakfast also so if you haven't been there uh, check out the lighthouse on, open on weekdays downtown Winston so uh, I think that'll do it any parting thoughts before we sign this off just realizing the basically the only thing I've ate eaten today is the candy we just ate as our little fuel for the... I actually had five pieces of candy this morning and then had morning coffee and then had some oatmeal and then had more candy when I got into the office. So we you're going to be napping by 3.30. Yeah, we bought, my, my wife and I for the last three years have bought Halloween candy with the hopes of trick-or-treaters and it ends up just me eating it mostly by myself. That was very sad. Our, we, were, we moved in our neighborhood last November, so we were assuming there would be trick-or-treaters because we've seen a ton of kids around the neighborhood. And I think we ended up having like seven groups come by total, and they were all done before like 7.30. So it sucked. We had uh, put up all these cool decorations. I had put on awful zombie sports writer makeup, and we bought like three bags, huge bags of candy. So we had all this candy, and I've been killing it every morning, and I'm begging Lauren to take it away and drop it off at the General Assembly or somewhere away from me. I just can't stop. Like that's sweet. Sweets are just... Just they, they kill me. I can't do it. Can't do it. I really come around on a baby Ruth in my old age. Ooh. 
I was a Butterfinger guy before, but Baker Ruth's my thing right now. I'm a big fan of the Reese Cups with the Reese's Pieces inside of them. I have yet to try that, but I'm, I hear great reviews on that particular candy. I like I like living in an apartment. I don't have any extra candy. All the candy I buy is for myself. Just got internet for God's sakes. Yeah. It's just <laughs> got out of the dark ages. And with that, we will leave you with Connor as the newest Kerner's villain. <laughs> Apparently people call it K-Vegas. Yeah, K-Vegas. You're a Kerner's sure. villain now? Kerner's <laughs> villain? It's interesting because I live literally half a mile away from Bishop McGinnis. Oh, well, that'll be helpful when you're covering preps. <laughs> Shout out Ross Martin. <laughs>